With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. My goodness gracious, I'm glad to have you with me. Happy Valentine's Day to you if you're into that. If you're single, I'm sorry. It's blue skies outside where I am. I hope it is for you as well. I don't know. Maybe you want to be. I don't know. All I know is I made sure to get my wife flowers and she got me milk duds, my favorite candy. I know some of you don't like it. My dentist is horrified, but my gosh, I love it. And you know, one of the reasons I love milk duds, because I couldn't get them as a kid in Dubai and I love them. And they're actually the lowest calorie food you can eat in the theater. (laughs) I love milk duds, y'all. Okay. We got to move on to news. Uh, Yes. My friends who, who has showed up. Wasn't expecting this, but she showed up. That's right. Taking to the news was one Nancy Pelosi. Well, what, let me just talk about the inflation then, because people are saying, well, what we're spending is causing inflation. The fact that people have jobs always contributes to increase in inflation, and that's a good thing. But inflation is not a good, you know, we have to contain yeah, it. Wages are not keeping up with prices. That's right. And and uh, let me just say about um, what Congress has been doing. When we did uh, the, um, the Competes Act last week, what contributes to inflation? People have more people having jobs, scarcity of product, which, which makes uh, prices go up and the rest. So when we passed the Competes Act last Friday, this was a giant step forward. Now we have to go to conference with the Senate, and we will shortly, and we'll send it to the president's desk. But what that does is address the supply chain shortages that we have, and therefore will decrease inflation. Speaker Pelosi has a fundamental misunderstanding of where we are right now, and you've got to listen, whether we like her or not, Understand her position is a very difficult position right now. The Republicans get there as well. We should be able to understand the position of the politician uh, without the partisanship involved before we delve into our opinions on the matter. Nancy Pelosi is Speaker of the House of Representatives. She expected after 2020 to have an increased coalition of about 30 votes that would allow her to get more flexibility in what she wanted done. Instead, turns out all of her internal pollsters were wrong. And they have essentially a five-seat majority in the House of Representatives, which means she has no flexibility to herd the cats of the Democratic caucus. She has to get all the progressives and all of the, the moderate Democrats on board to get anything done, 
or rely on Republican votes, which is very hard to do in an election year. On top of that, she has had 29 members decide to retire so far. More are coming. The lines in the states are being drawn not by Democrats, which they expected to have happen. They put Eric Holder in charge of it, or a redistricting campaign, and they lost miserably. So Republicans are drawing lines. They may be breaking even, but just barely. You've got a president with popularity in the gutter. She knows, despite what she says, that the Democrats are probably about to get annihilated. She has been in Washington for decades. Nancy Pelosi has been around a long time. She knows what the ebbs and flows look like. She knows what the feeling looks like. My gosh, she and Philip are the same height. She has been around since, what, 1980s? 1987? She's been there that long? Good gracious. I didn't realize she'd been there that long. She's been there since 1987. Now, you got to remember, and this is this is rather important. Nancy Pelosi took office now in, in 1987 in the um, San Francisco area, San Francisco Bay Area. And Nancy Pelosi was there when Democratic control of Congress was presumed and Democratic control of Congress was inevitable. I mean... In 1987, when she took office, the Democrats had controlled Congress for almost 40 years. And you fast forward then to 1994, and because of Democratic corruption, things came undone. The public changed, the mood shifted, and Republicans for the first time in 40 years took over the House of Representatives. And then they were able to get it back in 2000, what, 2006? She spent time in the wilderness. And then she became Speaker of the House. And then she lost it all. And then she got it all back. The the point here is to tell you she knows what it feels like to be in the majority and then to lose it and then to get it back, and then to lose it again, and then to get it back. After 19, before 1994, the rhythm in politics in the House of Representatives, uh, there, there was no rhythm. It was just the Democrats were going to win. But she's been around long enough to know the rhythms, and she's now the Speaker of the House for the second time. She knows what it feels like to lose. But she's the Speaker of the House. She can't go on TV and say, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose. But here's what she's got to say, and it's the tip-off. She said to George Stephanopoulos, forget history. We're talking about the future. She can't talk about the history because she's lived the history. She knows the history, and she knows what it feels like. Starting after 1994. Democrats began retiring, and it has become the key indicator of loss is when the incumbent majority party begins massive retirements. 
you know they know they're going to lose. Why? This is really important here. Because they presume their days in the majority are over and having wielded the gavel and the chairmanships and the ranking member meetings, they don't want to give it up to the Republicans. In the year 2010, as the Republican wave built, remember the Democrats, they didn't take it back until 2006. So they had it from 2007, 8, 9, 10 into January 3rd, 2011. Had it for about five years. And in 2010, 35 incumbent Democrats retired. And by the way, we didn't get to that number until June of 2010. We are at 30 Democrats, and it is February 14th. That's not a good sign. Go back to 2006 when the Republicans, I mean, the Republicans knew, despite what they said, they knew they were going to be toast. They knew they were going to be toast. They can talk about all the mitigation efforts, but they're on defense. The president's unpopular. The war in Iraq was unpopular. People were ready to move on from Don Rumsfeld and George Bush. The Republicans knew. And you had about 25 Republican retirements. And that was a sign. We're getting out while the getting's good before Pelosi comes in. Fast forward to 2018. You had 22 Republican members of Congress, including Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, say, Done, retired, time to move on. Going to spend time with the family, which is code for we're about to get our butts kicked. She knows the wave. She knows the patterns. So she, when when George Stephanopoulos asks her about all of this and the party that controls the White House tends to do poorly, and when Virginia really decisively turns in an election year, you know the next year the party in power of the White House is going to get curb stomped if their party lost in Virginia. That's the pattern. That's the historic pattern. That was the pattern in 1993. That was the pattern in uh, what the, the mid-2000s. That, that's always been the pattern in Virginia. She's got to say, forget history. We're looking to the future. We're going to do all these sorts of things. And then she says this. We didn't gain seats when President Biden won. We worked together to win the Senate, win the House, win the White House. It was cumulative, but it wasn't an increase. One of the reasons that, in part, the president's party loses seat in the off years is because they gained so many in the on years. We won 40 seats in 1831 in Trump districts in the year when Trump was on the ballot. We lost a third of those Trump seats. In the year with Trump on the ballot, we lost a third of those Trump seats. That makes no sense. That is spin. That's spin. The reason the party in the White House loses seats in the off-year election is because the off-year election becomes a referendum on the person in the White House. Now think about how bad it's going to be. They lost a third of the seats they had won from 2018. They lost in 2020. And she thinks that's going to mitigate. Well, we, we, we lost all the seats we could win. Oh, no, the hell you did not. And now redistricting has come, and it hasn't been as bad for you as you first expected. But think about this. The way the Democrats in New York were able to get rid of so many Republicans is they took seats and carved them up based on the partisan biases of 2020. So some of the Democratic seats in some of these states, not just New York, are like D plus two seats. That's D plus two based on Joe Biden running against Donald Trump. 
Was it Joe Biden running against George Bush, John McCain, Mitt Romney, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley? It probably would have been an R plus one seat. So the Democrats look at all these seats that they carved up in their own redistricting this cycle and say, oh, look, they're all Democratic leaning. Yeah, against Trump they were, but Trump's not on the ballot. And Joe Biden, it's a referendum on him. And 39% of the public approves of him and 56 to 60% of the public hates him. My goodness, you people are going to be toast. It's going to be bad. That's the reality. She can spin her way as much as she wants. The Democrats know they got problems. Now, before I get out of here, I want to jump to a phone call because I bet a lot of you are asking this question, a lot of Ukraine. Jason, want to go to you first. Welcome to the program. Oh, Eric, love you guys. I miss Rush daily, but I love you. Um, man, I miss him too. I just, I know, man. Um, just if you could explain to me what a sanction actually does, because to me it seems like an empty threat. Like even if, in my understanding, if they're going to take money away from Putin, don't you think he has buddies that are going to give him money? Like, I, I just yeah, don't exactly. understand it. So one of the telltale signs, Jason, that they're probably going to war is that Putin has moved his yacht out of a repair yard in Germany back to Russia. Um, that's something they would take if, if they impose sanctions. So uh, what sanctions are, sanctions tend to be a, a, a couple of things, uh, economic sanctions, uh, financial sanctions, uh, and international, otherwise diplomatic sanctions. Sanctions, it's a fancy word of saying, we're not going to go to war with you. We're going to make your life so miserable you're going to have to cave. He's not. By the way, we'll, we'll just cut to the end and say sanctions aren't going to work here. Um, what the sanctions are, are they will say, no, we'll freeze every bank account for your major citizens. So we'll make it miserable on your major citizens. They'll pressure you. We're going to freeze your bank accounts, Vladimir Putin, wherever they exist that we can find them. We're going to prevent Russians from being able to travel abroad. We're not going to allow Russian planes over our airspace. That will make it very difficult for the Russians to travel. I don't know that they'll do that one out of the gate. They will stop trade with Russia. Uh, essentially, the sanctions are designed to build a groundswell of opposition to Vladimir Putin in Russia by making people's lives miserable. doesn't matter. The man's a strong man. It's not going to work. Uh, they, they, will put, they will put sanctions on the major oligarchs of the Russian uh, regime. So the billionaires who have a lot of money, they will find their lives difficult, hoping they will pressure Vladimir Putin. Ultimately, though, the sanctions that will probably have an impact are stopping natural gas supply from Russia, if they can do that. That will have an impact on the Russians because they get a lot of money to prop up the regime from there. Uh, but it is essentially a series of steps taken to build pressure on the regime uh, economically, financially, through the banking system to stop what they're doing, but also to build pressure on the people within Russia by making their lives miserable as a punishment for what Putin has done so that they turn on him. And I don't know that the people in Russia will do that. I don't know that they can do that. Putin's got such a firm grip on power. I think that we are in a uh, world order where the old rules of diplomatic sanctions don't necessarily apply to the Russians. And also... China will bail out Russia. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. We actually have Bull and Branch sheets, and yes, they are an ad. Yes, this is an ad, but yes, 
I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like, and I love Bridge. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets, and now they are the sheets in our house. Branch does not cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften, and they only use 100% sustainable raw materials. They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your Bolin Branch sheets as they feel against your skin. They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great, and every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BowlinBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's BowlinBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go back to the phones. Jerry, you're up next. If I can fire up your phone call here, maybe I can't. It looks like the call screening program froze as is typical with my internet these days. We'll get to you here, Jerry. Be patient. Um, While we're getting to Jerry's phone call here, you should know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, the Federal Reserve intends to raise rates. Uh, And those rates are going to probably be more significant than first expected as inflation, the data looks like more and more it's getting out of control. So be prepared for that. Yeah, Jim, if you can punch up Jerry while this thing reboots itself here on my end, let's get to Jerry's phone call here. Jerry, how are you? Hey, you're doing well. Thanks. Hey, uh, yeah, real quickly, Nancy Pelosi, who made $30 million on stock transactions, you'd think she'd be a little smarter on economics, but, oh, well, what do I know? <laughs> well, it's hey, her husband and son making the money. Oh, there you go. There you go. Hey, the reason I was calling on your last segment talking about Washingtonians being weak, and especially this administration, I also think they're very naive and in a bubble when it comes to the world out there. And I've got an idea what these people have studied from their miniature lawns going right into Washington. But if you look at do out and study history, it's why the Bible, Shakespeare, Homer, I could go on and on in terms of great writers throughout history, is that mankind never changes. There are always going to be evil out there and people who want to conquer and take over the world and do bad things. And these people in today's world in Washington live in this enlightened age. I think everybody is just all so much nicer and smarter and kinder. And it's just, it's really, really scary what's going on out there. But I just want to point that out that, yeah, it's, it's why those great writers throughout history are still relevant today because mankind never changes and he never will. Yeah, yeah. You know, I heard somebody say one time that the world lives in the world of Machiavelli and the diplomatic elite live in the world of Rousseau. Uh, and for those who don't understand what, what th- that phrase means is Machiavelli wrote the prince on, on how you essentially use power to shape the world, govern the world around you, wield power and influence. Rousseau believed everybody's a blank slate. And uh, Rousseau, and, and of course, you know, Locke gets condemned a lot now for his ideas of liberal democracy and the like and uh, liberalism around the world. But uh, Rousseau in particular got so much wrong and socialism itself is premised on Rousseauian ideas. Everyone's a blank slate. Uh, you, you can shape people's belief. Uh, people are innately good. Y'all, I, I hate to tell you this because we all view ourselves as good people, but people are innately bad. 
we're all sinners. And the when you understand from a either a biblical worldview or a Machiavellian worldview that uh, the way people actually are, I mean, the founding fathers loved Locke. They loved Locke, but they also loved Hobbes, and they understood Hobbes. They understood uh, the nature of people, and so when they designed our government, they designed our government with a series of checks and balances to pit power off of power and people off of people to make it very difficult for anything to get done and make it very difficult for anyone to become dominant. And to the extent that Democrats lament that Donald Trump was allowed to become so dominant and powerful as president, it's because Congress itself failed its job. Congress itself failed. And I don't think the founders ever envisioned Congress itself giving up all of its power to the executive branch, which is what Congress on a bipartisan basis has done. Look at the Democrats with Joe Biden. You can say it's not as bad as with Trump. Well, they're still giving up their power to the executive. The Democrats are to uh, Joe Biden. They never, ever either side wants it back as long as their guy is in charge of the White House. And the founders, I don't think, ever envisioned that. Maybe we should figure out some correctives in that regard, but they got it better than a lot of the diplomatic elite do. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I want to actually shift gears out of hard politics and and news for a moment and get into one aspect of the Super Bowl that I think is worth noting. Everyone always seems to have comments on the ads and the halftime show. It's very funny how a lot of the headlines are talking about that halftime show is uh, uh, shut up Gen X. Uh, the millennials are in the driver's seat now. Uh, y'all, that halftime show was catering to the 40-somethings of the world. That was the music from when I was in high school. It was the, I mean, it was totally made for Gen X. I don't know who's saying that the millennials or Gen Zs are driving the show. That was totally Gen X. Uh, now, it wasn't my cup of tea growing up. Uh, it, it's, it wasn't the music that I tend to listen to. I, I've never been a big fan of rap. I, I have some Eminem, and I got to say, I really didn't think he was taking a knee. I just thought he was getting out of the way of the camera shot last night. But uh, it struck a chord of nostalgia with people who grew up in the 80s and the 90s. And then so much of the media campaigns, the advertisements did as well. The Chevy ad with the electric vehicle. Uh, Toyota appeared to be the only auto manufacturer in the whole thing that ran an ad for a fossil fuel burning truck. The Keeping Up with the Joneses ad. Chevy and every other car manufacturer wanted an electric vehicle, which tells you where they think the world is going. They were placating the sensibilities of regulators, I suppose, and not ordinary Americans who don't want an electric pickup truck when they live out in the middle of the country. But along the way, one of the things they were doing was they were tapping into something that is more and more common today, a sense of nostalgia. Nostalgia is a pretty powerful thing. Um, Great ad campaigns tend to tap into it. It is a powerful force. You know where the word came from? Uh, Johann Hoffer, Swiss doctor in the late 1600s, noticed a pattern of patients who had immigrated far from home. They were strangely obsessed 
with returning home to the point that they sometimes got sick, sometimes fatally sick, and he couldn't understand it. And he coined the medical term nostalgia in 1688. Combine two Greek words, nostos meaning homecoming and alga meaning pain, uh, the longing to return home, the, the small wounds of time, the longing for something in the past. It became a real actual medical thing. They began to speculate that perhaps there is a nostalgia bone or a nostalgia virus in the 1790s, French doctors, when people were so overcome with a longing to homesickness, a return to something from the past, they would stab people with a red-hot poker, hoping that that would cure them of nostalgia. I'm sure it cured them of a lot of stuff. It wasn't until the 19th century, it wasn't until the 1800s, that people realized nostalgia is something mental, not physical, that it's not a virus, that it's something within us. Believe it or not, it took them 200 years or so to realize nostalgia wasn't, wasn't that thing. But nostalgia is powerful. If you've ever watched the series Mad Men, and I was not a Mad Men fan, uh, full disclosure, I thought it was a very pretentious show and and watched by very pretentious people. I do have friends who watched it, but they know I mocked them. But there was one scene that I, I caught. It's probably the most famous scene of the TV show. Teddy told me that in Greek, nostalgia literally means the pain from an old wound. It's a twinge in your heart, far more powerful than memory alone. This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. It goes backwards and forwards. It takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. It let's us travel the way a child travels. Round and around, and back home again. place where we know we are loved. Now, that was a clip of the lead character, Don Draper, showing what became the Kodak Carousel, the slideshow um, presenter. And it was using pictures of his family, him going through family turmoil. And so there was a bit of irony of him showing this with that monologue, but it captured the sense, and Kodak captured the sense with its carousel of nostalgia. We could look back. We could look back on family trips. We could look back on old times. When I go on my iPhone, I've been taking pictures of my kids digitally since they were born. And my very first pictures of my daughter born uh, in the delivery room were on a disposable camera that was processed on a CD. So the pictures would stay in, in perfect quality. And all of my kids' pictures are digital. And on the iPhone, when you turn on the iPhone, it creates memories for you. And inevitably, it's memories of my kids or family trip or something that generates the feeling of nostalgia.
the feeling that those ads at the Super Bowl generated. And it's one of the reasons why I think, for example, in all of the talk about the death of radio, the death of TV, the death of newspapers, it's never really going to go away. It may not take the same form. It may change its form over time. And to some degree, uh, you're seeing, for example, the DJ is coming back. Like Apple now has Apple, their radio product with actual DJs introducing you to new music. Even though it's streaming, it's not over the air. Radio is not going away. TV is not going away. Newspapers aren't going away because kids want to do what their parents and grandparents did. And they remember their parents or grandparents getting up in the morning and reading the newspaper. They remember listening to Rush Limbaugh. They want to listen to talk radio, maybe as a podcast, maybe as a delay show, maybe as a live stream, but it's never going away because people get nostalgic for a time that no longer exists in large part because that time seems always to be less complicated than the current time. We always presume, by and large, that the past is better than the present. The past seems more simple seems less complex. The past is fixed. It doesn't change. And oftentimes, every single one of us, we add into the past things that did not happen that we so want to believe did happen that we can't be shaken from the belief that they happened. What happens as we as a society become more complex is we become more nostalgic for a simpler time. Now, I should pause here and note that that has its limits. If you are black in the United States, you're not really looking for the nostalgic time of Jim Crow or slavery, are you? No, of course not. There are limits to this. But by and large, you as an adult long for the time when you were a kid. You as a grandparent long for that time when your children were the age of your grandchildren so you could enjoy it all over again. Sometimes it becomes hard to keep up with where we are in the present because of our fixation with the past, or sometimes we go from the past to the future and we never actually experience the present. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote in Screwtape Letters, it's the 15th letter. You know, it is uh, Screwtape is the demon who has an apprentice demon named Wormwood, and he's giving Wormwood advice on how to snatch a human being from the clutches of the enemy, that would be God. The human life and time live in time, but our enemy destines them for eternity. He, therefore, I believe, wants them to attend chiefly to two things, eternity itself and to that point in time they call the present. For the present is the point at which time touches eternity of the present moment and of it only humans have an experience analogous to the experience which our enemy has of reality as a whole. In it alone, freedom and actuality are offered to them. He would therefore have them continually concerned either with eternity or with the present, either meditating on their eternal union with or separation from himself or else obeying the present voice of conscience, bearing the present cross, receiving the present grace, giving thanks for the present pleasure. Our business then is to get them away from the eternal and from the present. With this view, we sometimes tempt a human to live in the past. Or, as Wormwood or Screwtape says, make them live in the future. Think about that for a moment. Think about. We embrace a past or a future to avoid contending with the present. And that was the entire nature 
of so many of the advertisements last night in the Super Bowl. And as everything gets more complicated, sometimes we have to force ourselves to live in the present. Sometimes we have to force ourselves to embrace the here and now. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves that oftentimes the past that we crave, the nostalgic past, is actually a figment of our imagination. And it's not the real past. It's not the true past. It's not the past that we actually lived. It's the past that we imagined we had lived. And it's a past oftentimes where we take on the figment of the past and we extrapolate it to the future and how our future is going to be so we never ever have to deal with the present. It was fascinating to watch those Super Bowl ads trying to draw out that pattern of nostalgia for us, the, the Sopranos ad with Chevrolet and the others, that feeling, that emotional connection to something that rang true for us as kids all of us, whether it was the halftime show or the advertisements. And oftentimes, again, we embrace nostalgia not because we really long for it, but it's a form of escapism as it was in the 1600s when the Swiss doctor came up with the word nostalgia. It was people who had moved to Switzerland and they longed to go home, even to places he couldn't understand they would want to go to. And what it was, he correctly diagnosed before they started looking for nostalgia bones in us, that what it often was was a way for people to avoid having to deal with the present. The present is always present. We can't avoid it. We have to grapple with it. We have to grapple with some breaking news that's happening in the present as well. The president of Ukraine has just addressed the people of Ukraine here. Uh, He is saying that uh, they expect an invasion from Russia to begin on February 16th. Uh, Multiple news sources are saying this. CBS News is now reporting that Russian units have left their assembly areas and begun to move into attack positions. According to U.S. officials, some long-range artillery and rocket launchers have also been moved into fighting position. It appears the invasion of Ukraine is imminent. The American White House and State Department are signaling to all Americans in in Ukraine (laughs) that they must leave now for their own safety. This is breaking news happening right now. Those of you listening live, it is 1.48 p.m. Eastern Time on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Multiple sources in and outside the White House and the American government say an invasion of Ukraine is imminent. The president of Ukraine is addressing the Ukrainian people. He has just concluded, saying that he is told the invasion will begin on February 16th. He's calling it a day of unity, encouraging Ukrainians to take up arms to protect their country from the Russians. The Russians, of course, are a far better trained and better equipped military. It probably won't be much of a fight. Uh, They expect high casualties on the Ukrainian side. Pray for the people of Ukraine. It does appear Vladimir Putin has decided to invade at the same time, telling diplomats that he's willing to keep talking to them, which in Putin's case tends very often to be a ruse. So be careful with that. We'll see where this takes up. Uh, If you're just tuning in here, though, this is important. Uh, Ukrainian president saying he expects an imminent invasion on Wednesday, February 16th, calls it a day of unity for the Ukrainian people. The White House confirms to CBS News the Russians have moved their rockets, missiles, and uh, troops into attack positions to prepare for an invasion. We'll be right back. You know, the Ukrainian president used to be a comedian. He was a populist. Um, 
It's interesting. He uh, opposed adding a Second Amendment right to the Ukrainian Constitution, uh, opposed a right to keep and bear arms for Ukrainians. Uh, he did, however, support um, abortions, prostitution, gambling, and medical cannabis in Ukraine. I know there are a lot of people out there who will, will hear stuff like that, and they'll say, well, what, what good is it uh, to support a guy like this? Uh, I don't know that there's anything we can do to support a guy like this or Ukraine. The problem here, though, is that uh, Vladimir Putin wants a sphere of influence. And though Ukraine is not a member of NATO, a number of the individual countries that are in NATO are within the sphere of influence that Vladimir Putin craves. And his negotiated demands to the NATO allies has been that they have to give back up those nations that were part of the Warsaw Pact. He wants them back in the Russian sphere of influence. And that, of course, is not going to happen. Um, but it's a dangerous situation, and it's one that is probably out of out of our hands and out of our control, uh, but will impact us to some degree. Again, though, my concern here is that small surrenders tend to lead to big wars, and there were plenty of things Biden could have done to probably prevent this that he refused to do. Now, uh, to the phones, Tim, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Um, I just wanted to say real quick, there was a, uh, a clip that you played last week of a woman who was an animal, uh, an animal rights yeah. activist or what have yes. you. She was going on about the fact that she disliked uh, meat eaters and the fact that meat eaters were the cause of all kinds of gender identity issues and, and racial issues and whatnot. Yeah. And the thing that I was thinking was that, you know, probably 20 percent of what she said, I understood and the rest of it was uses of language that, you know, just was totally above my head. I have an MBA. I I understand English. And I think one of the things that many of those people do is they change language, they corrupt language, Mm -hmm. they uh, redefine words to um, advance a goal, advance a cause, or what have you. And, you know, the rest of us normal people have no clue as to what they're saying, and I think that, you know, part of that is intentional, um, and, you know, I, I just wanted to make that comment. Yeah, um, you know, it is intentional. And in fact, it, it's part of uh, the, the whole idea of postmodernism, in particular, the idea of critical theory, not critical race theory, but critical theory in general, is the idea that uh, the definitions of words have to be changed to mean new things in order to keep the people in power from being able to use those words anymore. It's It's actually an intentional thing to do to say, for example, your hamburger comes with a side of misogyny. Uh, But the other thing here is if you'll notice a lot of times what a lot of these people do, and it's not just them, it's others as well. The not too smart people use the biggest words in the most convoluted word salads to make themselves sound smart. When the smartest people use the smallest words to make themselves easy to understand. Yes. Very true. Very true. It's all, it's a, it's a smoke screen for insanity. Can I can I add one more thing? Yeah. I'll be real quick. Look, several weeks ago, you, you had a guy on who said that 15 years ago he was a liberal and that something happened in his life that made him change and become a conservative. And I'm just wondering, every every now and again, I mean, can can you set aside some time for the the converted people in your audience to call and basically tell why they decided to change? Because one of the things that I'm, I got about 15 seconds here. Okay, I'll leave it there. 
Thank you. Okay. Yep. I, Tim, that's not a bad idea. Um, let the converted call and say what converted them. Oftentimes, it's when they realize what's happened on their own side. Uh, I'm finding that more and more how people on the left become people on the right because people on the left got too crazy for them. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.